All right, good morning. Well, this is week seven of our Summer in Mark series. We are glad that you are here um, spending your time with your Reachway family. We're glad that everybody's here. This morning, our uh, section is going to cover a couple of stories, picking up um, where we left off last week, a couple stories about Jesus' life, some things that he did, people he interacted with, and some things that he's known for doing. These are some stories that you've heard your whole life, um, and we're going to give a different perspective to them. Today's passage, um, Jesus is going to reveal the true character of the kingdom of heaven. I'm getting a lot of feedback, Seth. Can you turn me down? Thank you. He's going to reveal the true character of the kingdom of heaven and also reveal that he is the true leader of the kingdom of heaven, the true leader of our lives if we give him um, the opportunity to do so. So on page 1566, it's also on the papers on your table, we're going to pick up with Mark 6, 30 through 56. And this first part uh, verses 30 through 44, Jesus is going to be teaching. Um, he multiplies the five loaves and two fish, the very small amount. And then in uh, passage 44, verses 44 through 56, Jesus is going to calm the waves and he's going to heal tons of people, just to give you a quick recap. So let's dive into verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 30 through 56. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away with themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on ahead on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already super late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Well, how many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the bread. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000, and adding more to women and children. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to Bethsidia while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up to the mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat in the middle of the lake was in the middle of the lake, and he, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples standing at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. 
They cried out because all they saw what because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, "Take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid." Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. When they crossed over, they landed in Gethsemane and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all he touched were healed. So this passage, I'm going to give some context to this this kind of big scene story. It goes from one scene to the next. And I'm going to give some context to it. So last week we talked about um, how John the Baptist had been killed by Herod. And it was kind of a, a tense scene. And Jesus is hearing about it. And he still sends his disciples out to go and... Um, heal the sick and, and talk about the kingdom of heaven. And so some context is that Jesus knew a lot of things happening before all this stuff took place. So he knew what was coming, obviously he's God, but he knew some, some background that maybe his disciples didn't or the crowd didn't. And so he's going to give us um, kind of a look into why he did what he did. So these are some things that Jesus knew. Jesus knew that John the Baptist had just been murdered and all of John's followers were lost and seeking comfort and answers. So imagine that, John the Baptist out in the wilderness baptizing people, preparing people, telling them about the kingdom of heaven and he had a lot of followers and all of his followers probably freaked out when John was killed. So all of those followers are coming to Jesus saying, what is happening? What are we supposed to do? John's been killed. Help us. Why would God let this happen? Who's going to take care of us? Who's going to lead us now? So adding, in addition to the people already following Jesus, now add all of John's followers to that, to that pile. Jesus knew, also knew that the political system that killed John was not the same as the kingdom of heaven. And so when he's talking about not only did he feed them, but he knew that he needed to teach them, he knows that there are some people with some heavy hearts, some heavy problems, a lot of needs, and he needs to address that, hey, this is happening in your world, but this is the kingdom of God, and we need to reconcile those. And he knows that the, those are the questions that people are thinking in the crowd. Jesus knew that people needed more than just food and water, and I just alluded to that, that they came hungry. Yes, they had been with him all day. They'd been wandering all day. At the same time, he knows that they need hope. They need peace. They need reassurance that this crazy stuff happening, it's going to be okay. And he's going to tell them about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus knew that there were great needs among the people. So they need a lot of comfort, but they're also physically ill. A lot of times people brought their sick. I'm not sick, Jesus, but here's my cousin that's been battling this disease or been, her leg's been broken or whatever it was. He was literally healing their physical needs as well. Jesus also knew that his disciples were burnt out. The passage we started with today talks about how his disciples are coming back 
from already being sent out. And he knows that they're tired. And as soon as he's like, come and rest, all these people show up and Jesus is like, now feed them. And they're like, what? I don't have anything. I have given it all out. And now I don't even have time to rest. I don't even have time to eat. And he knows that. And so when he says things like, let's go to the other side of the lake, you're picturing this giant lake. And as, an, as just, you know, looking on the scene, okay, they're going from one side of the lake to the other. Jesus is actually creating space for his disciples to give them a break from the crowd. And it talks about how they recognize them in the boat. And so the people, the crowd, would literally run ahead of them because they could run faster on the land than the boat would slowly grow across the, the lake. But Jesus is creating space for them to rest. He's giving them an opportunity to sleep and not have people constantly saying, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. He realizes that, and he provides that opportunity for his disciples. So now that we know some context about, context about the things that Jesus knew before he kind of does what he does, or the reason why he does what he does, um, let's get into our discussion questions. I'm going to read them through, and then we'll give you about 10 or 15 minutes to discuss at your table. Um, so if you would look at those discussion questions there, if you want to refer back to the text as you're discussing, please feel free to do so. So question number one, what feelings or thoughts did you have when Jesus suggested to his disciples to come and rest? Would you say that you're good at resting? Question two, how would you have reacted as a disciple of Jesus when he said, you feed the people? Describe the look on his disciples' faces when Jesus was able to actually feed the entire crowd. Question three. In what ways did Jesus model the kingdom of heaven here on earth in this passage? So, so what you know of the kingdom of heaven, share with your table um, how he modeled that. And last question. On your paper, with your table, complete the T-chart. So there's two categories describing the characteristics of Jesus as our true leader and other worldly leaders. So I'm going to give you about 10, 15 minutes. Um, maybe at 1040, we'll come back and um, conclude our thoughts. So take this time now to talk with your group. Well, great discussion. Thank you for sharing and thank you for being good listeners. Also, thanks for including our kids in your conversation. Hope you had good discussion. The more I read this passage this week, and I read it over and over again, because, you know, when you first read it, you're like, I've heard this a billion times, like, I totally get it. But the more I read it, the more thankful and excited I got that um, Jesus is preparing a way for us and extending a new way of life that we never thought would be available to us before. And for me personally, kind of reading through those questions and going through them, I was just really grateful for who Jesus is, what he came to this earth to do, and, and how he loves us. So some conclusions that I came from those questions and some things I heard a couple of you saying, um, the kings and leaders during this time, and going back to what I said at the beginning about how this passage communicates what the kingdom of God really is and how Jesus is our true leader, the kings and leaders during this time when Jesus was alive um, were totally opposite of what he was trying to communicate to the people. Um, they wanted to be exclusive 
this is my kingdom, this is my stuff, this is my territory, this is my area, and in order to get it, they would do whatever they needed to. They wanted it now. They wanted you to do what they said. You were to serve them. And it's just to totally contradictory to what Jesus is showing that the kingdom of heaven, what it is, and who he is as a leader. Jesus was living intentionally, moment by moment, showing the, those who watched what the kingdom of heaven was. He came to give us rest. He came to lead us. He came to feed us and feed us the word of God. He came to give us courage and he came to heal us and spend time with us. Jesus led with love, with compassion, and with hope. Very contradictory to what the world was offering at that time and to what the world sometimes offers us today. He is our leader if we choose to accept him as our leader. The kingdom of heaven offers us way more opportunity to live that life to the fullest that Jesus is promising if we choose to take that opportunity and, and buy into that. So a couple takeaways. Jesus is our true leader, but he's not flashy, he's not loud, and he's not in your face. You have to seek him out. Those people would follow him and his disciples around everywhere. Those people that were sick just wanted to touch even a corner of his clothes because they believed so wholeheartedly that if they could just be near him, that their life would be better. So Jesus isn't, he's not in your face. There's a professor at Olivet that says Jesus is a true gentleman. He's not going to force himself on our lives, but he will be there as soon as we're ready to accept him and to offer, to answer that invitation. The second thing to take away, the kingdom of heaven is an upside down kingdom. And I love that our kids were here this morning because I remember um, in children's church growing up, there was a song called, he's the king of a kingdom upside down. If you wanna go up, you have to go down. To be the greatest, learn to be the least, living in a kingdom upside down. And I think in our world, so often we think that in order to be where we need to be for Jesus, in order to get close to him, we need to climb the ladder. We need to give it everything we've got. Go, go, go. And I think in this passage, he models for us that the kingdom of heaven isn't climbing a ladder. It's going as low as you can and bringing those with you up to Jesus. And he meets us right where we're at. So the kingdom of heaven is an upside down kingdom. It talked about in the marketplace, that was a place um, in that time of politics and commercialism. And we think, I, every time I read Marketplace, I was like picturing like a Walmart, like all of us bringing our sick friends to Walmart or to, I don't know, like downtown New York City. And we're like, Jesus, heal our friends. That's not a place that you would typically do that. You would go to a hospital or something like that. But I think what Jesus is doing in this moment by healing people in that marketplace where people would discuss politics, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how uh, our world runs. Jesus is like, no, I'm elevating those that are broken. I'm elevating, I'm showing you that those that are the least, the last, the lost, the forgotten, the totally shut out, these are the people that I'm elevating in the marketplace where you do your politics, you choose your leaders, you talk about how much money you've got, 
None of that matters. These people matter. The third takeaway, we are invited to participate with Jesus. I think it is so funny, and I wish I could hear all of your answers about how the disciples looked when Jesus fed all those people, or when he said, you feed them. And they're like, in their mind, counting all the numbers. This is going to cost too much. I can't do it. I want to, Jesus, but I don't have enough money to help all these people. And he's like, no, just give me what you've got, and I'll take care of it. I would love to hear your answers of how you would describe their faces. But he welcomes us to participate. He doesn't say you have to do it all. He just says, come on, you're invited. Gather whoever's around you. Let's do this. This is going to be great. I'll take care of that. You just bring what you have. So as we go this week, and as we partake of communion here in a little bit, um, I want you to think about the kingdom of heaven and about Jesus being the leader of the kingdom of heaven and kind of which camp we're going to be in. Are we going to choose to live into the kingdom of heaven, elevating those that the rest of the world might forget, um, elevating rest, elevating Jesus being our leader instead of ourselves being our leader or what the world says our leader should be. Um, think about that as we have a chance to respond here in a little bit.